Happy Friday. I'm Quinn Emmett, and this is Important Not Important, science for people who give a shit. The newsletter features the most important science news, how to think about it, and what the hell you can do about it. Hit subscribe right now so you get this audio newsletter every Friday, plus our conversations with the world's smartest people in the world. World's smartest people in the world. Sure, why not? Anyways, those come out on Mondays. You can find the digital version and links to everything at newsletter.importantnotimportant.com or write from your show notes. And of course, you can support our work by becoming a member. Hang out with me. All members may join our monthly AMAs with special guests, and annual members can also apply for our community, where our most dedicated readers and listeners, scientists and policymakers, investors and founders, artists and journalists, uh, researchers, students, farmers, and more— come together to solve problems on the front lines of the future. You can join at newsletter.importantnotimportant.com or again, the link in your show notes, and you can help make sure this work continues. It's Friday, June 10th, 2022. Here's this week summarized. Biden's going it alone on electrification. Moderna's got a new booster. Why food is suddenly so expensive. An unbelievable cancer result. And Apple's finally saying goodbye to passwords. But first, in climate change news. Look, I have no idea if U.S. President Joe Biden has finally given up on Senator Manchin, but this week he took unilateral action by using the increasingly popular Defense Production Act to boost clean energy in the U.S. How? By quashing a recent and super not helpful solar panel tariff dispute with a two-year freeze on tariffs for panels imported from Southeast Asia, and at the same time, scaling up domestic production, which can take a minute, with a variety of grants and loans. Also covered in his orders, ramped up insulation efforts, grid transformers, green hydrogen, and heat pumps. But that's still not it. This week, the administration also released EV charging standards to standardize expectations at the pump, if you want to call it that still, and reinstated veto authority to states and tribes over gas pipelines and coal projects if they have a chance of polluting their local rivers and streams. They also cut in half the dough it charges companies to build wind and solar projects on federal land and took shots at the World Bank over lack of climate action, which feels like throwing things in glass houses. They also updated expectations and revisions to its new environmental justice tool. And look, all this is timely because China is installing solar at almost too fast a pace. And back home, it's June here. It's hot. School's already out for the summer in some places, but classrooms are hotter than ever. And so are nights. It's hard to sleep for some folks. And while we're all aware of how tenuous executive orders can be, the momentum they drive is much more difficult to put back in the bottle. And that's awesome. Here's what you can do. Download Rewiring America's Mayors for Electrification Guide with blueprints for everything from building codes to retrofits to green fleets and share it at your next city council meeting. In COVID news, as Omicron subvariants continue to grapple with one another, reinfecting Americans left and right, Moderna announced promising internal data from their upcoming bivalent booster candidate. Here's how to understand it. Whereas the OG vaccine and boosters were and are still based on the original SARS-CoV-2 strain, the new shot combines that and Omicron mRNA, with Moderna claiming it provides a seven-fold increase in antibody levels over the current shot. They plan to submit it to the FDA ASAP with hopes it'll be the standard come the fall. 
And here's some context in case you missed my 7,000-word COVID update penned two weeks ago. Just a third of eligible Americans have gotten a booster. Those boosters are still very effective against hospitalization and death, but antibody responses do wane over time. Many of us got our first two shots months or a year ago, and with subvariants increasing, immunity evasiveness is going to become a thing. So, again, with the kitchen sink, mask mandates probably never coming back. But there's so much more we can be doing besides vaccines and masks. We're just not paying them enough attention. So the White House, bereft of any new funding from Congress, this week borrowed a cool $10 billion from money for testing and ventilators, among others to pay for those future shots and antivirals like Paxlovid. But again, as summers come earlier and get hotter, we've learned that people don't just stay outside, they go hide in the air conditioning, if they have it. Inside, there's drastically more we can and know how to do to improve indoor ventilation and filtration, to prevent the spread of COVID and other respiratory diseases that make people sick, that crush classrooms and productivity, and cost real economic dollars every year. So imagine Google flu, but not broken. We can establish national and local baselines with continually advanced wastewater mechanisms and reporting, and then, because wastewater is a leading indicator, adjust public health responses as diseases come and go. These systems already work, and they require zero additional effort from citizens. Check out this. A year and a half after the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention launched the National Wastewater Surveillance System, the program has supported wastewater monitoring in 560 counties across 44 states, plus Washington, D.C., which should be a state. The hundreds of wastewater treatment plants monitored across those counties cover almost 20% of the U.S. population. Folks, you literally just poop, and then the water samples collected, sent to a lab, and a dashboard tells everybody how sick your city is or not. It's that easy for you. Of course, officials need more reliable non-pandemic funding, more training, more lab support, and more measurable strategies like a standardized risk score for how to respond. But come on, this couldn't be easier. We already know how to do it. Here's what you can do. If you work in local government, check out BioBot's wastewater testing tools and also the national data. You can find your local data right now at COVID poops. In food and water news, plant-based diets that I love are a pillar of improving health and reducing the one-third of CO2 emissions that come from food systems. They check a whole lot of boxes all at once. Of course, tons of nuance, easier said than done, but that's even more true with Russia's continued and hellish war on Ukraine. So, I've been covering soaring global food prices for weeks now, but I think it's helpful to establish uh, some context and then come back to the fundamentals of where we are and why we are. So for context, look, we waste an enormous amount of food every year. We've been getting better at feeding a growing population every year too. That's a big win. I mean, look at how much better China's doing in the past 20 years. But grain and diesel and fertilizer prices continue to skyrocket. And that's in part because Russia and Ukraine collectively feed about 400 million people. And that food is either right now trapped or sanctioned. But also understand that most of the poor countries most threatened by rising food prices are barely vaccinated against COVID two years in a pandemic. And climate change means drought in some breadbaskets and crippling floods in others. So yes, true. Many countries can now mostly feed themselves from domestic sources, but one, nationalism isn't ideal here, and two, subsistence farmers are increasingly suffering too. Look at Mexico. Look at India. 
Further and combined, these enduring factors can and will drive massively, if relatively historically, increased hunger, if not famine and conflict, like it has in the past, and mostly among countries that haven't done jack shit to participate in one, Putin's war, or two, historical carbon emissions. Countries are exposed to three times as much GDP losses from climate change as the global north. I think what I'm getting at here is all of this is a policy choice. Putin's war, policy choice. Fuck that guy. Sanctions, however deserved, policy choice. Continued emissions, policy choice. Anti-immigration policies, policy choice. Food waste, policy choice. Not vaccinating the world, policy choice. India banning weed exports, policy choice. Letting Yemen and Afghanistan starve, policy choice. American monocrops that mostly go to drugged up cows for slaughter, policy choice. Food companies not counting their emissions, really? Policy choice. A just-in-time supply chain? Policy choice. Every one of these decisions is an opportunity, though, however difficult, however complicated, to build in the other direction, to contribute to a cleaner, better, more reliable world. And truthfully, again, we're on our way. We have a hell of a lot of work to do, but we can do it. In the moment, here's what you can do. Feed the people through donations or volunteering with our friends at World Central Kitchen. That's WCK.org. In health and bio news, here's the news. We used to have a section of this newsletter titled Fuck Cancer because that's how much I hate cancer. And as much as I want to bring it back every week, the point is I will celebrate every advance we make against cancer, like the one shared this week across news sources, wherein every patient in a very small rectal cancer study saw complete remission. What the fuck? Dr. Luis Diaz of Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, an author of a paper published Sunday in the New England Journal of Medicine, describing the results in the New York Times, which were sponsored by the drug company GlaxoSmithKline, said he knew of no other study in which a treatment completely obliterated a cancer in every patient. He said, I believe this is the first time this has happened in the history of cancer. Understand it. Look, usual caveats apply. Very small study. Needs to be replicated. No idea if these people are cured or going to need other treatments, but that's science. Question is, how do we build on it? I'm in this business not just to ask, why the fuck is this way? But also, how can we improve on it? And who is doing awesome work on this already, like Dr. Diaz? Look, we know black cancer patients aren't offered access to clinical trials at anywhere near the rates of white patients. We know our most advanced treatments are wildly expensive and difficult to systematize. We know pediatric cancer and rare cancers get much less funding than they should. We know we're still poisoning the air and water, creating more of this shit. But we also know we can do better, better. And we can start today, damn it. Here's what you can do. Two of my favorite things. Donate to rare cancers by writing with Cycle for Survival. And you can host a lemonade stand to support pediatric cancer research with the Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. Awesome. Last up in beep boop news, look, last week I wrote again about the growing FIDO coalition, and this week Apple revealed the first steps towards a future without passwords. From Wired magazine, pass keys replace your titled old passwords by creating new digital keys using Touch ID or Face ID. Apple's vice president of internet technologies, Darren Adler, explained at WWDC. When you're creating an online account with a website, you can use a pass key instead of a password. To create a passkey, just use Touch ID or Face ID to authenticate, and you're done, Adler said. When you go to log into that website again, passkeys allow you to prove who you are by using your biometrics rather than typing in a passphrase. 
or having your password manager uh, enter it for you. So look, as I've detailed before, Apple actually isn't alone in this effort for once. Microsoft and Google, even one password, are already on board with specs developed for these things collaboratively, which gets us half the way towards broad adoption and hopefully interoperability. The other half, of course, requires the entire internet to adopt these standards, but the point is, bird by bird. We're on our way. Everyone's on board. I've written endlessly about the growing volume of expensive and harrowing phishing attacks against consumers, utilities, hospitals, and more. Pass keys, theoretically at least, make those very difficult to pull off with no typing involved. And with pass keys stored on devices and based on the public key cryptography, there's actually no database for a hacker to steal. So look, the next year or so will begin a revolution in how we protect our data. And frankly, it can't come soon enough. In the meantime, what you can do, of course, is uh, you can't use pass keys yet, but you can sure as shit start to protect what you've got. And remember, your data is never siloed. It's always affecting someone else. I'm a huge fan of one password. That's one, the number one in password, and you should be too. Here's 10 things from my notebook. Baton Rouge's drinking water is under threat thanks to Exxon. THC is better than CBD for pain relief. We need a plaid for healthcare billing, but holy shit, is it complicated. Five years ago, Puerto Rico's grid got trashed in Hurricane Maria. Now the island's all in on rooftop solar. Jed Lugum goes ham on greenwashing. The U.S. will phase out single-use plastics on public lands in 10 years. And FTC Chair Nina Khan isn't just going after Amazon. She's hell-bent on protecting kids' privacy online, too. The LA Times food editor pitted induction stoves versus gas and says it's time for the future. India's plan to recycle old cars isn't working. What can we learn from it? And finally, Deep Sea Dawn Wright, one of our favorite all-time podcasts, is going to the bottom of the damn ocean, and she'll be the first black person to do it. That's the news for this week. Hit subscribe now so you can get next week's news and analysis straight to your feed. To go deeper on any of the news or to find your action steps, go to newsletter.importantnotimportant.com. Thanks for being a part of our community, and thanks for giving a shit. Have a great weekend.